0: Hello there, and welcome to IndieWire's Very Good Television podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizlet on Twitter,
1: and I'm Ben Travers at Ben T Travers on Twitter. Or. Bent Travers on Twitter, whatever you want.
0: Wait, why have we, have I never made that connection before? That's incredible.
1: I, you know, honestly didn't think about it for a while, even though we have, you know, our blog, Bent. Yeah. And then I'm with IndieWire, so I was like, maybe they think I'm affiliated with Bent, but I I don't care. It's fine. It's just, it's my middle name, the T, so that's just, we're
0: going. Tiberius, right?
1: Absolutely. (laughs)
0: Excellent. And uh, we're here because today our focus is going to be less on the actual stuff on the television and more about the way the television gets to us.
1: Absolutely. It's been somewhat of an interesting transition period right now since HBO Now started it came out it's out there people can use it and watch it and we haven't yet but that's i think because we both have hbo go we right? both have
0: hbo go and so but the from everything that's been said it's that it's, it's a vaguely comparable user experience at least for ios customers and the the wealth of hbo content is now available to you if you do not have a cable subscription
1: Yeah, I really need to check out HBO Now just to see if they have a better construction for getting from episode to episode for their series because I hate how they don't just automatically start. At least Amazon gives you the option to start. Mm -hmm. Netflix has it mastered where they just keep it going. But I need to see if HBO Now is is going to adopt this policy. Very important. Um, But no, the other bit of news about kind of the way that we watch television was that uh, Verizon Fios has unleashed their new... Bundling, bundling. I guess anti-bundling bundle because right. they're trying to stress that you can choose your own thing—a very à a la carte option. Where with your base package, you get thirty-five channels. You get uh, the option to add on two additional sub-packages to that, mm-hmm. which are like sports, pop culture, entertainment, sports plus, mm-hmm. um, other things like that, um, and they're all included in the base price. For, I think it's fifty-four ninety-nine a month for TV, which. Frankly, I'm just not impressed with at all. Because really. that's not... I mean, for television to pay $55 a month and then choose your channel packages, I mean, it's the equivalent of what I'm paying now but then I'd have to figure out what to pay for internet as well, which I'm sure would bump me up to what I am paying now, and then I'd have less channels. So even though I get to choose my channels, I have less channels. I just don't I don't see the appeal yet, but I admire the direction that they're trying to get to.
0: I mean, it's what a lot of people have been asking for for a long time, which is I don't want to pay for channels I'm not watching. And I think, like, I remember hearing some sort of study that despite the fact that the number of channels that have are available has dramatically increased the amount of channels that people actually watch has not like pretty much people stayed at the same 15 20 channels max uh despite yeah. the wealth of new options available to them
1: yeah i actually read a stat when i was looking over the verizon Wios, or FiOS or fio story that the average for what people watch is 17 channels per person at max you're going to watch 17 you might stray off to other ones you know on occasion but you're pretty much sticking to those same 17, which honestly seemed high to me. I think I watched maybe, I don't know, 11, 10? Well, e- ESPN,
0: ESPN 1 through 8, The
1: Ocho. That's true, you're right. That's, that is that 8 right there. And then whatever, you know, the Cubs are on these days, which is like WGN America and Chicago Sportsnet, but again, that's all running through my PlayStation, which brings us to the, the main topic that we wanted to address today, which is how we watch television. Right. And everyone kind of has their own pattern their own kind of established medium for how they absorb TV content because it's it's so much more than just turning on your television these days it involves you know different machines different services different you know ways to go about it and most people are trying to do it either the easiest way or the cheapest way or both um, so the first question that I wanted to ask honestly is just Liz how do you watch TV?
0: It's a very good question, Ben. <laughs> it's not one at all. One at all. I was prepared for.
1: Oh, caught her off guard. I know it's shocking.
0: Shocking. Well, like a lot of people, uh, and I don't know if this will ever change, but I, at this point, I too, I do kind of fall into a category. We talk about cord cutters. We talk about cord nevers. I'm kind of still, to this day, in the cord forever camp. That could change at some point in the future, but right now, uh, I've I have been a cable subscriber. My entire adult life, I subscribe to a you know a digital cable plus uh, HBO Premium. I don't have Showtime or Stars, uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at my cable <laughs> bill, which is already pretty high. But I mean, and and it's important to note, of course, that Ben and I are having this conversation as two people who watch a lot more television than the average person and do so. For professional reasons so you know one of the advantages of having a large cable bill is that come tax time i write that off because yeah. that is a work expense absolutely and but i do find also in general that i i gave cord cutting serious thought a couple years ago back when the the movement was really starting to take hold and the thing i ran into was it wasn't that i didn't feel like i could find my favorite shows that especially the shows that weren't necessarily available through streaming services uh, as they were going, like say, Mad Men. It wasn't that I didn't feel like I could find them, it was just the convenience of knowing, I program my DVR, it captures the show, I have it there waiting for me when I want it. That can't be beat. You know, I mean, the you know Apple season pass technology is good, but it's expensive and it's only on a show by show basis it's you know for a lot for, for the the thing about the cord forever people is universally like we're talking about people over a certain age certainly but or even under a certain age but like me are lazy and uh but the thing the thing about it is the convenience of knowing that if they want to watch something that is not a problem for them to watch it is 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 a very big thing
1: yeah i think that's one of the things that is very important to distinguish viewers. Some viewers really just want to have the access to it no matter what. They want to either be able to set their DVR and make sure it records. They want to be able to know that it's going to be online and know that it's going to be online forever or know that one service has already, already has it. One of the nice things about Hulu is for specific shows they have every episode of the season up to you know the current episode that you can just binge watch if that's how you prefer to watch it you know and, and that's just not something that's available anywhere else even the you know the official networks sites don't keep them on that long they mm-hmm. just don't hold on to it so sometimes that's what it comes down to it's like well I'm going to get Hulu because I really want to have that option to find those shows whenever I want to find them and not necessarily keep up week to week but it's also very much to the point of there's very specific shows that I have to watch when they air whenever that is yes. and you know then that's why you need cable
0: say hypothetically you were writing about a cable, sh- a basic cable show on a weekly basis and you <laughs> happen to be on the east coast feed for it so yeah, well, you, how do you watch TV Ben?
1: Uh, I, I mean I, I'm <coughs> I don't know if this is sadly or not but I'm in the same camp as you I've always been courted, I've always been connected mm-hmm. I, I've gone through the different every different version of that that I think is out there because I've moved around a lot so I've served, I've gone through different cable companies, I've tried Dish Um, I've, I've done Dish Network, DirecTV, MediaCom, Charter, uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting a few that, that were just out there, and they're all fairly similar in, in the end product, but as of right now, I'm just, I'm really lucky. I have Charter, I don't know how it happened, I don't know exactly what's going on, but I have, like, the most basic package paired with the paired with their internet service Mm -hmm. and i just get hbo and showtime i don't pay extra for it i don't see it on the bill question it i know i don't i I question even saying it now i'm i'm worried someone will hear and be like this is a problem we need to fix this and then they will but i kind of thought i was getting a free preview for signing up and then it just never went away so i'm i'm just holding on to it that's how i have hbo go Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um so i mean i have that but i also obviously i have netflix i have hulu for the same reasons that we already discussed um I like watching... I like having the ability to make sure something records on my DVR. I like having the ability to go on Netflix and watch their own programming as well as older programming in their vast library whenever I want and however I want. And then I like having Hulu for the shows that, obviously, Hulu has exclusive rights to as well as the new and upcoming shows. And sometimes... If I just don't have room on the DVR, I'll end up recording, or I'll end up just watching something on Hulu instead, because I just run out of space.
0: You know, what's interesting about about Hulu for me is it's become the way I watch a lot of shows that I could actually fundamentally make room for on my DVR. I could be recording them regularly. Yeah. The two factors in that are my DVR is only available in my living room, so it's 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 great i love i love having a tv that i can watch television on but there are times when you know maybe i need to watch maybe I, i'm not i don't need to pay strictest attention to arrow and i can get some work done while watching it it can play on a screen in my room watch it while i work on my computer and I, also the other thing i'm finding about hulu is sometimes there are days when i will be like i'm you know there are a bunch of shows i'm not watching religiously every week. But there are shows that I'm trying to keep up with as best I can, like say like let's say Agents of Shield. And so there will be days when I'm like, "Oh god, I'm behind on stuff. I know I'm behind on stuff. Where can I go to check where where what am I watching right now even?" Like I do I can't even basically remember what shows I'm tracking on a casual basis. Hulu has shows you watch as a category right yeah. on the home page and it'll let me know there'll be a little icon that says there's a new episode. I'll be like, great like it's it's it is if you are just casually tracking stuff it's actually a great service for keeping up with it
1: yeah i couldn't agree more and it's it's one of those things where as i go through my day-to-day life i think to myself and i'm always thinking about you know cutting expenses and and saving money as best i can and yeah part of it is nice to have that tax write-off but it's not a huge thing for like It's not a huge dent in the tax write-off. Right. Um, And then also, you know, we have the luxury of having access to screeners. So Mm -hmm. we can kind of get most of the shows we need most of the time. It's just the means of which to go about that. And then there's always exceptions and there's always, you know, problems. But the thing that I like about Hulu is it's just so easy. And that that's kind of what I've gotten to the point where I'm at now where it's just like the ease of use to me is very important. It, yeah. I need that for certain aspects of TV. And then more so for what we're doing, you know, professionally. I mean, we just have to be covered. I, I, I kind of like having that safety blanket of knowing I can get to a show, you know, legally whenever I need to get to it, however I need to get to it, wherever I am.
0: So. Yeah. And I think, like, the, the ease of use aspect is really interesting. I remember seeing, this is about maybe five, ten years ago, this interesting diagram online that was basically kind of an argument for piracy of DVDs. And it was a diagram laying out, like, the difference between, you know, the, all the screens you have to go through when watching conventional DVD in order to get to the actual movie you want to watch. And then the chart of screens that you have to go through in order to get to uh, a torrented movie and the torrented movie is like it's a two-step process you torrent the movie you watch the movie you're not going through you're not going through trailers you're not going through constant fbi warning screens that sort of thing yeah i mean this is not a good ar- i'm not saying that i support this argument at all the thing about that about that diagram that stuck with me was you know netflix had just started really their streaming service and i was like oh the Netflix is the other answer. Like, net, clicking on something to watch it on Netflix is like a two-step process. It's so simple once you once you've dug into the library of content and found it. And like, really, the only complication is just being aware of how much stuff is out there and available for streaming immediately. I actually remember I, I we have published a recent list of movies that are about to go expire from the Netflix uh, service. At at the end of this month, and I actually was like, I didn't even know that was there, and I went and watched it because I was like, oh, I kind of been meaning to rewatch that movie, and if it's going to go away. But uh, for you, how do you? I mean, what's the what's what services do you use to track down what you're looking for?
1: Uh, I mean, I honestly use my computer for most of the stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's different websites that you can go to 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 just Google if something's available to stream for free. You know, if you're a subscriber. Um, and then, or if it's just available to stream, period, if you want to pay for it. And I, I use those services whenever I have like a very specific thing I'm going after. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it, it kind of comes back to the new concept of ease of use, determining what you're going to watch. Like mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who only watch things if they're available on Netflix because they pay the 7.99 for Netflix. They may not have cable or they may, you know, obviously they don't, they may not have DVR. Or they may not have something like that that can allow them to record things and then set their own schedule and then they just watch TV whenever they can and it's like, okay, well, if that show's not going to come on Netflix, I don't know how I'm going to watch it, so I'm just not going to do it. There's enough good content that I can find on my own in this very easy way of going about doing things, and that's just kind of what things are skewing towards. Plus, there's this new... I saw the new Noah Baumbach film the other day called While We're Young mm-hmm. in which there's an argument uh, about kind of documentary filmmaking between two people. One's Ben Stiller's character is older, one's uh, Adam Driver's character is younger, and they're both you know embodying their generations and adam driver's character makes some ridiculous argument about how uh anything that's put out there is free anything that put out there is i have the right to have that i have the right to use that i have the right to see it i don't have to pay for it i can it's just it's mine this is in
0: the middle of a movie produced within quasi mainstream hollywood system
1: quasi yeah wow um and he's definitely being put in the wrong like he's being depicted as as having oh, the wrong the youths. attitude
0: the youths are the idiots
1: and the youths are are in a place of ignorance but there is something to that i mean there are some there are a lot of people from my generation you know just from from napster you know the, we grew up and we were like well it was free there wasn't anything wrong with it i can just do that and they kept that mentality and they still have it mm-hmm. and that's kind of transitioning over into the legal form where if it's easy for them to watch it, that's how they'll do it. And otherwise there's so much good stuff they can just ignore it.
0: It it, it is mind boggling to me that I know people who are serious T V fans, who are huge Mad Men fans especially, but they're not gonna watch the the last the last episodes until until they get on Netflix and which blows my mind. Like how could you be a fan of a show of of something so iconic and so so iconic and so fundamentally a part of our cultural discussion whether or not it gets the same viewership as Game of Thrones the fact is that show is hugely important to anyone who's serious about talking about television and how would you how could you live in this world not knowing what not knowing what (laughs) happened It, it baffles me but I know but what you're saying is totally true and it's it goes back to like the whole fact that you know when I interviewed Bill Willemond about the concept that, you know, about about how he talks to people about House of Cards when he, w- without the, w- you know, with a lack of awareness of how far into the season they are, mm-hmm. uh, he said, you know, he made a point about how, you know, because where everyone's taking things on their own terms, yes, it does mean that the water cooler concept has kind of faded into obscurity. But we have something better than the water cooler; we have the internet, yeah. and that's that is great. But at the same time, I saw him talk at South by Southwest, and he still had to he opened the panel with a, "Okay, everyone, raise your hands if you've seen any House of Cards, if you've seen." through the beginning of season three, if you've seen the end of season three. And he used that to gauge how many spoilers he was allowed to do mm. within the context of that talk.
1: I mean, it's a very intriguing concept, and it goes back to kind of that binge-viewing mentality of things. But, I mean, it it's like what you say. Like, everybody's kind of different in their attitudes towards it. Like, we're definitely on the side of the people who really want to engage and have the discussion. Like, it's crazy to me that I'll watch Mad Men on Sunday night and Monday morning... I can only talk to one or two people about it in my life. Like, that that's crazy. I don't understand why the people who I know like the show aren't keeping up with it. And I've had a friend who came to me this year and said, you know, right before season 7B started, they're like, hey, I'm going to be keeping up for the first time ever with Mad Men <laughs> Live as it happens. And I was like, thank God. But, you know, that's their priority. And that's mm-hmm. their prerogative. And that's what these new kind of systems are trying to cater to. Um, but, but yeah, I, I definitely i miss that atmosphere of knowing you're safe because it just aired on one night at one time it happened the next day we're all going to talk about it and it's going to be fun
0: right well i feel like and this is not like it's not like we're talking about like decade decades gone by you know i remember the, the 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 thing about breaking bad that made it such an interesting phenomenon in terms of this cross between binge viewing culture and you know weekly culture is that people were binge to catch up in time for the next season. Like, people were discovering the show before the newest season would premiere, and then once they were caught up, then they would be keeping up regularly, I think. I think that, yeah. I, I think I knew a lot of people who were watching Breaking Bad every week in a way that it doesn't seem like people are watching Mad Men.
1: No, that's, that's one of the interesting things about the Netflix model, too, is that a lot of shows rely on that concept of what Breaking Bad established, where they would release their seasons up to that point, and usually shortly before the new season began, Mm -hmm. because they would assume that people would become addicted to the show and then want to keep watching. Right. And they'd watch live, and then they'd be making money, you know, the small amount of money they make through Netflix, and then they'd make the big amount of money they get through the rating system of watching live on television. It's just, it takes a very specific kind of show for that concept to work, it seems. And I, I mean, for people who really are culturally addicted to television uh i think Mad Men is definitely part of that like i'm very glad it's on netflix so i can rewatch some of the older stuff as i'm watching this new season um but for the casual viewer i think it's very much about their own personal enjoyment with it now mm-hmm. like it's just their own journey it's almost more of a private experience than a public experience and they want to have it however they want to have it and that's why we have the developing options that are out there and and hopefully this cord cutting phenomenon will become a little bit more doable like mm-hmm. like what you said you know you want to save money with it like you want to have that option of kind of kinda cutting back and and paying for the channels that you want to pay for not mm. the ones you don't but so far i mean 55 bucks a month for you know 35 to 60 channels it's like okay that's Kind of the normal. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not saving money. It's just cutting away the excess channels. It's. Mm-hmm. It's. You're kind of customizing it, but it hasn't quite got to the point where it's needed to be. And now they're in a huge legal dispute, which comes comes back to one of the bigger points again for more casual TV fans and not even TV fans, but sports fans. Right. And that's ESPN. ESPN is suing Verizon FiOS because they're I think they're in breach of contract because they're supposed to have their service ESPN included. Uh, you know, at a, at a certain level of 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 the package, like a certain level of, of yeah. what you're they're, they're not supposed be,
0: they're not supposed to be, they're supposed to be part of the core bundle. They're not supposed to be part of the sub bundle.
1: Exactly. Yeah, they want to make sure that they are they have their audience as big as can be. And now they're fighting back against that. And honestly, when it comes down to me personally, just making the decision of if I have to keep cable or not, if I had the if I had a means to watch live sports without paying for cable. Like ESPN with the playoffs and the hockey playoffs and, and baseball, football is huge. I do that.
0: Mm-hmm. That's
1: a huge part of why I still have cable. Like I, I just I need the live sports.
0: I mean, and that's what cable is counting on, and that's why ESPN of all the cable channels that you ever subscribe to, like they have. I don't know. I forget what the official term is, but whatever they whatever the cable channel charges the cable company. Per per customer to carry their channel, ESPN's rate is the highest. Oh yeah, it's like three or four bucks a person versus like one or two, one at maximum for other lower channels. Yeah,
1: and that's because of what we were talking about before that that demand by advertisers to have a show that people are watching live
0: mm-hmm. to know
1: that this is what they're watching and that they're we're not going to fast forward through it on our DVR or something to to you know obviously ruin what they're trying to do with their advertisement that's such high value and it's hard to. there's not that many programs out there outside of sports that replicate the need to watch it live.
0: I mean that's like the the only other the only example that comes close is when every once in a while when AMC runs into a dispute with like DirecTV or Dish and then they it's always their ads are very specifically hey Walking Dead fans these guys don't want you to watch the show anymore and targeting walking dead fans is not a stupid move in that respect and it also makes it nice and specific it's just as specific like you know it's not that you're observing a dispute between two giant corporations that want your money it's they're taking away your show that you love Mm
1: -hmm. yeah absolutely and it's 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 definitely become its own kind of sideshow but I guess what we're all working towards is is the ideal. We're working towards something that we all can kind of agree is what we want, but we have to make everybody happy, so it has to be somewhat practical and serve the needs of the companies as well as the consumers. Do you have anything like in your mind, like when you think of what we're going to get to a point of that that works for you and would work? you know, hopefully in, in reality?
0: Well the the thing is is that there are two different television experiences, I think. There's the the concept of the you know, the D V R and the understanding what's going on right now across all the channels that are airing live. There's that kind of immediately engaging experience. And then there's the idea of the archive. It's like I guess it's like the difference between reading the newspaper and going to a library with that's not necessarily a great metaphor but it's what i got uh, because the idea of you know i and i as a library system as an archival system i love netflix i think it is aside from some minor organizational issues that kind of i think think keep the stuff new interesting stuff from rising to the top i think just on an Just on a system level, like on a technology level, it is easily one of the cleanest and smoothest systems. Like you said, it's binging enabling technology is, of all the services out there, the best.
1: Yeah, if they could come up with a way to categorize their things easier, to make it easier to find them when you're not on a computer that would be the ideal for Netflix that's pretty much the only thing they have left to perfect
0: I mean yeah like the Netflix home like the Netflix Netflix content and system with maybe like Hulu's homepage, might be for me because Hulu does a nice job of not just making it about the stuff you watch but also about surfacing just in general what's going on because I think there is a part of me that you know wants to know when my shows are new, but also, hey, is there like an important clip popping or is there something in the world of television I should know about? Hulu is actually pretty good about surfacing that stuff because it does, it does have such a wide barrage of content available.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, you're right. And, and they, they incorporate more things that are connected to live viewing, like late night talk shows and, you know, clips from, from various events. That, you know Netflix doesn't have the ability to do yet so it, it can surface that kind of topical content as opposed to Netflix which tries to surface the stuff that it thinks is relevant to you right or at least is new to the service where as there's there's just so much content that eventually some of it gets buried which is which is just kind of what happens like it, it, I don't see a strong way around that it's just more of a organizational issue
0: mm-hmm. but well so I think topical is the, exactly the right word and that's actually one of the things that's been really interesting about to discuss about the chelsea handler stuff that's in mm-hmm. development right now because yeah. chelsea handler wants to do a talk show which is a topical you know a formal thing to some extent like john oliver's you know found a way to make that work within a digital environment but there's still weirdness to it
1: oh yeah absolutely and uh getting back to what you were saying too about your metaphor about your the library and the newspaper if netflix is the library and the newspaper is probably cable. It's probably something where you just have access to everything live as it's happening. Right. You know, whatever they sell, or that you can read, today's newspapers in the library. How are we going to bring these two things together, Liz?
0: And on on, on the like the wooden system. rod. Right.
1: On the long wooden rod, you lay it on oh the table. Oh my God! Great. Think, things high things that it's things wonderful. that
0: chi- children will not understand. No,
1: most of our like any you know audience member listening right now who's under 18. Does not understand what's going on.
0: But yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot, there, there's so many elements to it, like, and I mean, little things, like, I actually, I don't hate Amazon's player either, yep. and I think, and honestly, if I'm watching stuff on, like, there's stuff I love having on my DVR, because I love, you know, yes, I skip past the commercials on, like, a, I'll save, like, an episode of Parks and Recreation that I love just so I can skip past commercials with relative ease and also just know I always have it there. It's like the same reason I might still every once in a while buy a DVD box set of something just to know I own it because I get weirdly possessive about stuff. But, you know, hey, if you've listened to us talk about this topic for what is now 27 minutes or so, and thank you for doing so, I think you deserve the opportunity to tell us how you watch television. Yeah,
1: absolutely, reach out.
0: Yeah, what are your favorite systems? Like, is there stuff we haven't mentioned? Are there devices that you think are changing the game? I just finally got a Roku stick, and yeah. I've been really enjoying experimenting with that, like that sort of thing. Like,
1: yeah, the Roku box, the Google Chrome, uh, like Webcaster thing. Uh, I mean, I've got a PlayStation Three that I try to run a lot of stuff through. You know, Xbox has its own version of stuff. I mean, there's a lot of ways out there, and everybody kind of has developed their own system, like we mentioned before. So please let us know what your system is, how it works for you, and then what's missing from it because this is a discussion that as people who care about tv we just we need to have like yeah. we need to figure out a solution you know hopefully that that will work for everybody
0: because yeah if, if there was like if there was some sort of ultimate solution uh, oh, oh god don't say the words ultimate solution ever out loud <laughs> uh, if there was like but if there was like a grand unified theory of television watching in the modern age what would that be um, and so, yeah, email Ben at IndieWire.com and Liz at IndieWire.com. Again, that's Ben and Ben and or Liz at IndieWire.com.
1: Hit us up on Twitter at Ben T. Travers and Liz Lit, L-I-Z-L-E-T. And then, you know, obviously, we're going to be writing a lot of articles about this. We'll have it on IndieWire, IndieWire on Facebook, IndieWire on Twitter. Um, you know, leave us comments in the comments section. Just, you know, yeah. just post
0: it. There's no shortage of ways to talk to us on the Internet about the way you watch television. So... uh, There's as many ways to talk to us about it as there are ways to watch television on the internet.
1: And speaking of watching television itself, Liz, what have you been watching that you love?
0: Last thing, next thing. Uh, Last thing I watched that I really enjoyed. uh, I'll just go ahead and I just finished my review of it. Uh, Grace and Frankie, the upcoming Netflix series. Uh, I've gotten to see the first six episodes. How many did you watch?
1: I've seen about two and a half. I I think two and a half.
0: It's a show that... I think expectations were really high for it especially based on the cast lily tomlin jane fonda martin sheen sam waterston and, and you
1: got two veterans from the newsroom and one from the west wing I two mean,
0: from the west wing lily tomlin was on the west wing oh god
1: they're all connected to Aaron sorkin they're no all connect- wonder the expectations are so high
0: indeed and uh fortunately we're talking more west wing the newsroom in my case i don't
1: uh, know about that. that seems
0: strange um one of us likes the newsroom more than the other. The spoiler alert: you guess it might, who it is? <laughs> you guess who it is. Uh, but I think it's not. It's it's not like an A plus show right out the gate. But I think it's got a lot of potential to grow. And uh, it's uh, it takes its premise really seriously, which made it less fun than I expected initially. But is ultimately, I think, going to make it a really strong show in the finish. I'll be very
1: interested to see how that catches on because, again, shows on Netflix, if they don't start hot out of the gate, people seem to keep watching anyway. Like, I know a lot of people who weren't that high on Bloodline, but they finished the season because they're like, well, it's on Netflix, it's here, I can keep watching it. So, I mean, it's almost they've just got the momentum and the ease of use again, and they keep watching it. Mm -hmm. Grace and Frankie, those first two episodes, they're not hysterical but you can tell there's potential there and then, you know, how long are people are going to stick with it and keep watching.
0: Yeah, I mean, to be fair, and to be honest, like, the reason that the, it's not hysterical is because it's about two women who get dumped by their husbands so that their husbands can get gay married, that, which is, in theory, comedic and has comedic elements, but it's, it's about two 70-year-old women confronting the fact that they're now going to have to spend the rest of their lives alone because their husbands have found love with someone else. That's a horrifying scenario to be facing. I mean,
1: that's pretty dark stuff, Liz. I mean, I hope that what you're looking forward to next is something maybe lighter, something maybe a little more fun.
0: Oh, I want to know what the last thing you saw was.
1: Oh, the last thing that I saw was The Comedians, which is the definition of fun. I, um, yes. I wrote an article this week about uh, appreciating uh, the supermarket scene from the third episode of The Comedians, which I just found to be the transition point of the show. Um it's 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 absolutely tremendous. I, I love love the series so far. I love what they're doing with comedy. It's it's very smart, very edgy, very very mm-hmm. fun. And honestly I hope it's one of those shows that shows up on Netflix and people binge watch and become addicted to it because so far I haven't been getting a lot of conversation about it. I haven't been hearing a lot of
0: It's feedback. It, I think there's there are people who are watching it but it is kind of a quieter build at this point. So hopefully hopefully it does catch on. Uh, The next thing I'm looking forward to has its light moments. Basically, I'm working really hard to catch up with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. right now so that I can prepare for uh, the Avengers coming out on Thursday. And it is just because I'm a nerdy completist type, but I really do want to find out how... I want to find out how this show is going to work in conjunction with yet another massive Marvel movie. Because the last time they did it last year... uh, with uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, actually turned out to be kind of brilliant. It worked out really well for both the show and the Marvel Universe, so I'm I'm hopeful that whatever whatever age of Ultron tie-in we're looking at with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is equally cool.
1: I get that there's going to be some sort of hypocrisy for what I'm about to just say, considering I talked about all of the different ways I use to watch TV and how much TV I end up watching, but that stuff is too much for me. I hate (laughs) the Marvel Universe, I hate the idea that there's never going to be an end to it and that there's always some sort of connecting thing that feeds into the other things so that I have to watch every single Avengers movie as well as every single superhero within the Avengers movies, keep up with their franchises, keep up with the franchises that spin off onto TV and then feed back into the movies. Because, Liz, as you can tell, I'm a completist. I want to do these things, but not for something like that. Like thats It's too much.
0: It's just one big, warm, fuzzy blanket of nerdy, nerdy, nerdy media to consume.
1: And see, I hope that you, that's the preferred just, way of looking at it. I see it as one giant money grab, and it makes me sick. So.
0: whoa Ugh, tough. That's a sad this is a sad conversation. What's the next thing you're looking forward to?
1: Uh, well speaking of, of horror, I'm looking forward to Penny Dreadful season 2.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I'm actually getting ready to watch it right now. I very much enjoyed the first season. I thought it was a delightfully artsy horror show. I, I, I didn't I'm not a huge horror guy, but I always make sure to see the horror movies. That get good reviews because i respect the genre and i respect when it's done well yeah I, I frankly i'm just i'm too big of a scaredy cat i get really freaked out so i can't handle things that are too scary but penny dreadful is done very well so i'm very much looking forward to
0: from what from everything i understand i really i i know i owe it to myself to check out at least through episode two because that's when you get to the seance right oh my god
1: yes uh eva eva green Ava green however you say it i'm, I'm apologies to miss green is tremendous she is that second episode in the seance is iconic television
0: yes that's all i know friends is that there's a seance and and she's really good in it but uh so if you if you're like me maybe we can all check it out together
1: well there's some fun bisexuality that goes on there's some interesting little twists and turns uh uh, that that happen in season one that i think are incredibly engaging each episode sports its own kind of twist that that's that's its own delight. So uh, enjoy. Fun time. Let me know what you think, Liz. You I can, will. You can tweet at me your thoughts at Ben T. Travers on Twitter.
0: I will. I will do so for my own Twitter account, which is at Lizlit on Twitter.
1: That's with an E and an I.
0: That's with an E and an I. Um, in what order? Who knows? Figure it out. Uh, but And as always, you can find us writing on IndieWire.com about all your television favorites. And... Uh maybe your less favorites. Who knows how you feel about Agents of Shield. I'm probably alone on this one.
1: It's okay. I'm I feel alone on the comedians.
0: So. You shouldn't. So. It's just you're you're just you're just ahead of the time.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's go with that.
0: Yes. But thank you so much for listening and uh, keep watching television.